Welcome back. Richard, it's very good to see you again. Mar uh, March is flying by, Bernie. It's March it 20th. Right? It is. Uh, we Ides of March, St. Patrick's Day. There's only, birthdays, all... hmm? There's only one more week left of, uh, uh, of March. So I know. And you have spring break coming up, don't you? Yes, I do. So that you know what that means? I get to work. <laughs> everybody asks, everybody at school says, all right, so what are you going to do for, during spring break? I said, oh, man, I have a lot of patients I need to see. Right. That's so, right. Yeah, everybody's talking about spring breaks, and we're all just kind of uh, nodding. Yeah. So, um, shake our heads and say, uh, it has nothing to do with me. That's right. But, but speaking right. of schools, we're going to talk about um, right. schools a little mm -hmm. bit today because, you know, as we are moving into this, um, this realm, I, I, I'm hesitant to even say post-pandemic. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but everybody else is saying that we're, we're entering into this phase of post-pandemic. Um, right. And uh, because, the, you know, the numbers are starting to slow down. Um, you know, everybody, of course, is concerned about uh, a, a possible new variant. Right. Um, but at this point, at least, uh, things are slowing down a little bit and things are looking pretty good. And, um, and, and so we're kind of now everybody's sort of pausing and taking a step back and looking at what has happened over the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think that there's a lot of concern and, and you and I are, there's not a lot of it that we can talk about, but you and I are experiencing some of this stuff firsthand where right. there have been some very interesting issues, very interesting movements that have happened over the past couple of years that sort of started very subtly and are now really taking a foothold that we really um, hope to talk about today. Right. Um, you're right. People are starting to talk about the end of the pandemic. Um, I, don't, I don't know that there's any such thing. You know, we keep hearing conflicting stories. There's a new variant in England and typically we follow England, you know, what it, it seems that they experience and that we experience it. And we're all very tired of the pandemic. We're tired of COVID. We're tired of masks. We're tired of social distancing. And we're all exhausted. And um, but we at the same time, we're beginning to take stock, you know, like we in a way the battle is over. So let's see. Let's see what happened. Uh, and people are beginning to take a look at what effect it has. And one of the places they're looking is what has been the effect on our public schools, on all schools, but especially public schools. And we know, for example, because we've talked about many of these things in previous podcasts, uh, rates of mental illness among students are increasing. Um, teachers are retiring or quitting in droves, um, and which is going to be a problem. Um, students, especially underprivileged students, have fallen behind right. um, academically, and there really isn't any way to make up those losses. So, I mean, if you if you were in the ninth grade taking algebra one, and you miss most of the year, you're not going to go back and retake right. those courses. And so, uh, there are bound to be gaps. And and they have, and so what what we learned during the pandemic is that um, particularly underprivileged children who didn't have computers, who didn't have high speed internet we're really at a severe disadvantage. Right. And we learned that all the problems that existed before the pandemic in, in our public schools simply got much worse as a result of the pandemic. And they were, we, we sort of shined a bright light on all the problems that exist in the public schools. Absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, your, your mention of algebra is, is a perfect example of, of this because, you know, when you, when you think about the 2019, 2020 school year, you know, mm -hmm. um, you think about those students who are in algebra and, and math is always a great example because it's cumulative, right? It's um, right. It builds upon itself. And if you miss a portion of it, then there's a gap there that right. is really difficult to fill. And, and so during that 2019, 2020 school year, when the last quarter or so of the school year was lost, mm -hmm. um, very few, if any, uh, students right. were retained that year. Because right, that's right. you know, even if you did relatively well for the first three quarters, mm -hmm. you lose that last quarter. That's a lot of of skills. That there's a lot of skills. There's a lot of right. information and everything mm -hmm. that that's lost. But then you go on to the next grade, and nobody's going. Nobody went to the next grade and did algebra one fourth quarter again. 
That's right. Um, they you, went started in, you started in geometry. Right? right. And so you have this gap of information that's lost. And, and, and it's true in, in, in math and science and all mm-hmm. of these, all of the subjects. And, you know, even in language arts, though, that we tend to think of language arts as, um, you know, you're, you're reviewing and kind of building on things, right. but it's um, a little bit different the way that it's done. Um, it, it's a lot of stuff that's lost. And we are seeing a lot of students who are um, or who are behind, who mm-hmm. are missing skills, who who that we just can't we just can't go back and and provide. Right, and you know, for um, in way back in the 1970s, a, a neurologist at uh, Johns Hopkins by the name of Martha Denkla mm-hmm. said that as she was also she also knew uh, about reading, and she said that as long as you if you have students who have reading disabilities, as long as they continue to get instruction, uh, tutorial assistance, they make gains. But as soon as that instruction stops, right. the gains start to recede. So all those kids with learning disabilities or learning problems or even kids with mild reading disabilities, as long as they were in school getting that extra instruction every day, they were making progress. As soon as that stopped, right. then the progress stopped and, they, and their skills began to recede. Right, and that's where we where we talk about every year with the with the summer slide, right? Exactly. We, students right. can lose up 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 to or, or more than a grade level of reading skills over the summer if they don't if they don't read over the summer. So imagine again that that 2019-2020 school year where they basically right. had two summers. It was a nine weeks right. and another you know nine or ten weeks for summer. Um, that's a lot of loss. And then and then for many students, they entered the next school year. Either they stayed home for a year and did online education, or they did some kind of hybrid program, or they went into the building, but the building was open and closed and classes were quarantined and students were quarantined. So there's all those interruptions. Yeah, so so inconsistent. Right. And so we know that we have a host of problems that have um, insinuated themselves into the public schools. Um, However, there's another part of this that uh, uh, these this flurry of articles that are coming out recently expose a far more um, ominous or alarming mm-hmm. um, side of this um, educational issues, and that we might uh, say what's happening in education, but it's actually happened to it's happening to public education, Absolutely. and. What got our attention was it was an article published in the Atlantic Monthly entitled Pandemic Era Politics Are Ruining Public Education. And of course, what what the article is about is um, schools are becoming battlegrounds uh, over political issues, what are really political and social issues. and, and what this author argues is, and the kids are the casualties. Right. While the parents are fighting um, over, um, over politic, what, what are really political issues, um, they're being introduced into, they've come into the public schools and uh, these, these ideas have come into the public schools and the kids are paying, a, one, once again, the kids are paying a price. Absolutely. And we, we've talked about this a little bit um, in a previous podcast where we talked, where we kind of reviewed this issue of how we're fighting, um, you know, school boards and, and everyone's fighting about like critical race theory and, um, you know, social emotional learning, social learning, all these things that that people are for some reason fighting about um, when we really need to be focusing on these other issues that we were just talking about, the students are behind that we that we really need to figure out how to bolster some of these some of these issues that have come about because of the pandemic. Right. And said, like you said, we, we're turning schools into these battlefields where we're where we're fighting about all kinds of things that really are not related, at least not related directly to, right. to the education in the classroom where the student sits every day. That's right. And so, um, as this author points out, if you live in Virginia, um, the newly elected governor of Virginia set up a hotline where you can um, rat out your teachers to the government if they if they do something or say something that mm-hmm. it, that they're not supposed to say anymore. Uh, we just had a law passed in Florida. Don't say you know uh, we're not allowed to use the word gay 
right. in the uh, early elementary grades. And in Florida, you know, the governor, our governor wants parents to be able to sue school districts if they make students uncomfortable in some way. And, and right. we're not talking, and what, what does that mean? You know, you, you're, you're, you have some level of discomfort and then you have the right to sue a teacher, a, a school or a teacher. So while we're struggling with academic issues, educational issues, now we've introduced these far more ominous topics right. um, and they're appearing at school board meetings and states are passing laws. And, um, and this author says it, it's not clear that, this, that the public schools are gonna survive the, these COVID years because right. there's, so, there's so many challenges and we're not really dealing with them. Right, I, I, and there's a, there's a new, um, uh, I guess, bill or law that they're attempting to pass here in Florida where um, they wanna put cameras and microphones in every classroom um, so that, you know, it's kind of guys as, as all these different things, but really it's to, it's to monitor teachers is to, to see what they're doing, what they're talking about and make sure that they are um, sticking to sticking to the lines and the, the information that, um, that they're supposed to be. And, and, you know, again, the, the, the idea behind education is, is pushing our knowledge, pushing what we know and what we, what we think right. if we, if, if school was just to reinforce what you already know, what? then, then you wouldn't be learning anything. You would just right. be saying, Oh yeah, I knew that. Um, that's, that's what we learn. Um, you know, what I learned at home, but, but right. the idea is to push your thinking and, and push your ideas into different directions. And, um, and now we're talking about punishing schools and teachers for doing that. That's right. That's right. So while we have a situation where teachers are leaving in droves, I guess a, a million uh, a million people quit jobs in public education last year. Um, you know, teaching was was difficult. Right. And teachers were grossly underpaid even before the pandemic hit. I can't imagine what it was like teaching during the pandemic. Right. I mean, I, I just to me, it's beyond anything I can comprehend. Richard, um, in, my, in my schools now, we're, we're just starting the fourth quarter. And, mm-hmm. and we still have teachers leaving. Right. My, in the middle of the year. It, right. Yeah. We're, we're three quarters into the school year and we have teachers leaving. That's right. And, and so while everybody assumes that schools are back to normal, they are not back to normal. They're filled with substitutes. In fact, in New Mexico, New Mexico has resorted to using the National Guard to come in as substitute teachers. Uh, I mean, but we, we can't get enough. We all know that we can't get enough. We can't find substitutes mm-hmm. to fill these classes as teachers leave or as they get sick. So um, while all that's going on, right. um, the classrooms have become this battleground um, where, where parent really parents yeah. are arguing that they, they claim to be protecting these students, right? They, they say, we have to protect the children uh, from the, from the, from the virus. Um, we have to protect them from certain books. We have to protect them from certain ideas uh, getting into their into the schools. So they the parents argue that they're doing it to to protect the kids, but what they're actually doing is um, is trying to force a particular way of thinking, right. particular standards guidelines on an entire population. Okay. Um, so while it's wrapped in a nice package of we want to protect the kids and give people freedom, um, in fact, it is just a way of pushing one idea or one ideology. Right. And the most alarming part of this, uh, and you say, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't be doing that. Oklahoma, right. a, a, a senator from Oklahoma introduced a bill that says that a teacher and a school district district can be sued if there's any teaching that contradicts a person's religious beliefs. Right. Now, so you can't teach evolution. Right. You can't teach the germ theory of disease. You can't teach about climate change. You right. can't discuss how old the earth is. You, you I, it would be very difficult to discuss slavery because some people argue that the Bible said that slavery has always been with us, okay? And so 
if you if you talk about slavery, are you violating this this law? Right. Um, and the interesting part about this law is that the legal principle is strict liability, and strict liability means it doesn't matter why you talked about it. It doesn't even matter if it's a slip of the tongue. Right. Uh, we don't have to prove anything. If you if you in any way crossed any of these boundaries, you are liable. And the minimum fine is ten thousand dollars. Right. Now, this this may not be it may not be constitutional because I think you're getting very close to that separation of church and state, and I'm not sure that it would get through the state supreme court or the federal supreme court. But this is an example, regardless of what happens with this law, it's an example of how far people are willing to go. Right when they start pushing these ideas. Right. It's, it's just another example of how we're, we're fighting about things and arguing about things that are not relevant to what, what's really going on and what really needs to be addressed right. in the schools. Right. Um, and, and, you know, and again, there's, there's so many, there's lots of other examples. Um, but, and we're going to, we're going to get to some, some other things more specifically, mm-hmm. but um, you know, the, the, the entire um, process, all of the, the overall fallout, I guess, of, of the pandemic is this um, what was called a K-shaped recession. Uh, yeah. right. and, and that's where the, you know, the wealthy um, keep getting very wealthy and the, the poor continues right. to get very poor. Right. And, um, and, and it becomes much more exaggerated. That's right. Um, in in right. times like this. Right. And so here we sit with all these these enormous concerns, you know, that uh, all these students who have lost time and skills, right? Um, the the million or so uh, educators who are leaving the profession, um, and a million and a half students have left public schools. Right? Where are they going? You know, and um, and rates of mental illness. We talked about rates of mental illness have soared, and then you have the the whole what you t- just talked about the K shaped recession. And, right. and it, you know, normally in a recession, the line goes, it dips into a U or a V uh-huh. and then everybody comes back up. Well, there, was, there have been some studies done that says in this recession, that the recession resulting from the pandemic is in the shape of a K where the upward branch of the K, a lot of people got very, very wealthy right. during the pandemic. I mean, I, I know people who did extraordinarily well if right. you had money during the pandemic, you you had you did very very well. Right. And then the bottom leaning part of the K, the the bottom uh, portion of the K, those were people who were already struggling. Right. And you, you remember in the early days of the pandemic, we talked about uh, service employees who, despite right. despite the threat of dying, had to keep driving buses right. and waiting on tables and cleaning rooms. Um, and so the underprivileged struggled even more. And we call that the Matthew effect yeah. from the Bible, where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Yeah. Right. So this has been a case. So again, you have the exaggerated effect on the kids who need who needed school the most. Right. And, and you know, I think that the the um, you also mentioned about the one and a half million students who have left mm-hmm. public education, uh, public schools. And that to me is is a, a massive concern that we again we don't think about but um you know when you when you step back and you look at what happened to so many students who went to oh. virtual learning um right. and at the end of that 2019 2020 school year right. and and you look at what happened to them you know hmm. every richard I, I know you experienced this too for years you would talk to students, especially students who were struggling in school, and all they ever wanted to do was be homeschooled. You know, they could say, well, I just want to be homeschooled. Really what oh, saying is right. I want to be home and play video games all day. But, right. um, and, and that really is what happened to most of these students. They just, right. went, they just stayed home and played video games. And so homeschooling is not for everyone. No. And, and it's not, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out there and, and go ahead and say, it's not for most students. It's not for most. There's a, there's a small sliver of students who do very well that's in a homeschool right. setting, um, mm-hmm. most students need to be in school, um, whether that's because of family and, and parental dynamics or that's because of the student, you know, idiosyncrasies with the student and him or herself. But most students need to be in school. And so when you have a million and a half students who are leaving public school, the vast majority of the students need to be in school. Right. That's right. They need to be in school somewhere. Right. And, 
And so, um, you know, and you can see that at college. I mean, that's always been a problem in college because, and those kids are older. Those are the older teenagers. Absolutely. And even they struggle with the increased independence um, that you have as a college student. So right. now we're talking about middle schoolers or elementary school kids. Right. They can't contain, and not, you're not going to do that at home. Who, there are very, very few students who have the um, organizational uh, capacity and the attention span and the focus and the motivation to keep themselves organized every day of the week. Richard, even parent, even kids whose parents are educators and they stay home for homeschooling, many of them don't do well, even though their their mom or dad is a teacher, right. they don't do well because it's really difficult to teach your own kid. I mean, just like, you know, for us, you, you can't do counseling oh, with your own kids. Right. Um, I have infinite patience with everybody else's kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't bring that same patience. You don't. You just, just go to bed. <laughs> Right. So, but so it does come down to, you know, talking about what is the role of education, right. uh, because we have all of these changes. And you talked about the Oklahoma bill that's proposed right. and or that's mm -hmm. being being proposed. Um, and, and there are a, a, a flurry, as you said, of other uh, bills. Yeah, other states. Mm -hmm. um, so what is the role of education? Because in different settings, education plays a different role. That's right. And what you know, we talk a lot about school choice and, well, if you, you know, let's do away with the public schools. 90%, um, despite the exodus from public schools, 90% of students are educated in the public schools. Right. Okay. We, we forget about that, you know, that, that there are about 50 million kids, I think, in the public schools and 90% of them are in public schools. We don't have private schools Right. for all those kids. Uh, we don't have charter schools for all those kids. Um, so, so if we're going to fix education, we're going to have to fix public education uh, or, or recreate a whole new system. And so, um, and what are we, what are we asking our schools to do? Well, in a theocracy, if you live in a theocracy, Iran is a theocracy. Well, then you teach the theology. Right. That, that's what the culture is. If right. you're in a dictatorship, you go to any country. Uh, I mean, we see what's happening in Russia today. You know that there are certain words you're not allowed to use. There are certain things you're not allowed to say. Um, certainly, any dictator, North Korea. What What is the purpose of right. North Korea's educational system? It's to maintain the status quo. It's to It's to indoctrinate and That's to nice. teach people to become loyal North Koreans, loyal to the government. Well, what is it? So, what is the role of education in a democracy? Right. And traditionally, that was to educate the citizens so they would be informed decision makers. I mean, yeah. basically, that's what that's what this is all about. Um, so, in some systems, like if you're in an elite system, I think some of the European systems were like that in the long, long ago. Um, there were these elite schools, and they would educate. For example, England, you had these very elite private um, high schools that would lead to these very elite colleges, uh, Cambridge and Eton and those. Places. Well, that's where the leaders were produced. Right. You take all the elected officials, and they all went to those colleges because the schools selected the elites who would grow up to be the decision makers. In our country, we want the ordinary citizen to be a decision maker. And how do you educate them? Well, you, you create public schools to educate the citizens. That was, that's what Horace Mann um, wanted to do uh, 40 years after the American Revolution, is right. to set up schools that would educate the citizens. Right. And, and so it wasn't, in the, in, in the beginning at least, it wasn't necessarily to make students ready for college or ready for a career. College, college and career ready. Right. right. It was, let's just have a foundational um, yeah. level of information, you know, mm -hmm. let's make sure that they understand how these things work. Let's make sure that they know how to read and that they know how to do math and that they can, you know, do these things to have a level of understanding and a, a level of functioning right. that, that benefits the population, the, the society as a whole. Right. That was the goal. Yeah. yeah. Education is a, is a um, citizen making endeavor. It, it is in the public interest Right. It is in everybody's best interest to have a very robust educational system that you can provide to everybody because eventually everybody, all these kids are going to grow up 
and they're going to become voters and they're going to become citizens. And they're going to make decisions. Okay. And so the idea was let's create a school system that at least gives them some foundation right. um, where they will grow up to learn how to make decisions when they're in the ballot box, but also as they listen to news or they watch news on TV, that they can think critically about it, right. that they realize that there is such a thing as bias in the news, right. that there are, that people do have access to grind, that people are not. And that was when we had newspapers. Now with the internet and Photoshop, you, you're never sure what you're looking at. I'm right. And, and, and that does kind of, uh, in, in an interesting way, kind of bring us to, to one of the main things that we wanted to talk about today Right. Um, and that is that is the, the issue of, of censorship, right. because, um, you know, that has become a massive issue in a variety of ways. Right. Uh, again, kind of thinking about, um, you know, critical race theory. There, there was a there was a law um, passed here in Florida that talked about, um, you know, uh, again, schools or teachers or districts can be sued if there's anything in the material that suggests or, or contributes to the idea of critical race theory. Right. Um, and I mean, we know that there's not, but again, there's been, um, you know, some of the education programs and some of the uh, software that we use to help teach students Mm-hmm. have been um, under fire um, because people believe that it, um, it it promotes the idea of critical race theory. And so they want to take that out and, again, kind of cut some of these things away so that pe- students don't have access to all the materials and all the um, uh, resources that they would otherwise have. That's right. And, and we see that as a problem because let's take the issue of critical. We could take any issue there, but let's take the issue of critical race theory. What is it? Where's it from? What does it say? We should be discussing it so that everybody knows what we're talking about. Now, if you decide in the end, but to say you, you it is against the law, we, right. we're not going to have this discussion. Right. That becomes a problem. Okay. Right. That's the problem with censorship is you're saying, no, this is a topic that you're not allowed to discuss. These right. are words that you're not allowed to use. These are things you're not allowed to talk about in, in schools. Where does it stop? I mean, who, and who gets to decide right. what you don't talk about? Absolutely. And, and, and I alluded to earlier um, uh, something that you and I are involved in. And, and we can mention a few things only because it's been in the newspaper, uh, at least in our area. Nobody outside of our area, I'm sure nobody has any idea. But um, in, in our area, there's there's a group of um, concerned citizens who um, who have raised the issue of, of I think it's about 16 books that are in our public libraries, uh, mm-hmm. public school libraries, um, usually middle high school in some middle schools. Um, and, and so we're reviewing these books. Uh, we're, you and I happen to be on the committee to where we're reviewing these books because um, to make sure that they're not breaking the law. Um, and it was very intimidating in our first meeting when the, um, when the, uh, the school board attorney said, you know, um, you know, there are people who could be who could go to jail um, because of, you know, having these books in the, in the library um, in the school media center. And, um, and and these are, these are not necessary. These are not just random books. I mean, some of these books are, are prize winning books that that have been around for a long time and are considered very, um, you know, literary uh, with lots of literary merit, lots of important features of them. And, Mm -hmm. and, People, people are wanting to take them out of the schools. Right, right. And, and so we need, to be, we need to be very careful with censorship. And that's what we're going to talk about today because censorship is one of the ways, it's one of the ways that um, education is being hijacked, uh, you know, by certain groups. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what the group is. And, and, as, and as they point out, both the left and the right or liberals and conservatives, both groups are, are trying to censor the other okay so so it's not like yeah. you know it's not like a single group is doing all this both extremes uh, of the political spectrum are doing it right and it's and censorship is one of those ways that you limit what students can read or hear you, right. you just say no you're not allowed to talk about this and sense so censorship limits exposure 
for students when education should be about expanding and exposing. Uh, right. That's what should happen. You know, you talk to anybody who went away to college, if you left your home and you went to another campus and people will say, those are very formative years when Absolutely. you go off to college, because why? Because you're exposed to different ideas, because Absolutely. you're exposed to different cultures, different languages. That's what's supposed to happen. Right. The college experience should broaden your outlook, not, not keep it narrow. Right. Yeah. The idea is to become more tolerant, more understanding, more knowledgeable. Right. You know, I, I remember when I when I left and went to undergraduate, uh, finished my undergraduate degree. Um, you know, I, I'm from this area that we're working in right, right now, um, this small area in in um, Central Florida, and um, I commuted to Tampa, uh, right. a, a bigger city, just uh, you know, mm -hmm. 45 minutes away, but went to a bigger school and. Just the difference in in that forty five minute drive, um, in in the people that you're, you know, the ideas and the people and the in the perspectives that you're you're, you're exposed to, it, it's it's um, it was it was um, it was it took you you have to, you're taken aback because it's just like wow people really think like this and. <laughs> Um, and then they're challenging you to think about it. And so it's like, okay, so I have these values. I have these ideas and it's like, okay, if I'm going to hold on to these ideas, I need to be able to be informed enough about them to talk about them. And for me to be able to inf be informed enough to talk about them, I need to know counterpoints. I need to know the other side of the argument so that I can hold, hold, hold to my ideals. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that that's where people really get into this, um, really fail to look at the, the role of education. Um, it, it's not to change your mind. Right. It's not to, it's not to take away your, your appreciation of, of your, your religious ideas or your, um, your, your different values or anything like that. The, the, it's to, it's to strengthen it by introducing you to the other ideas so that you can, you know, expand your understanding of things. That's right. That's right. And it, that's, that's the word. It should expand your thinking. Um, make you knowledgeable, right. which helps you to make your own decision. You, you may not change in the end. You may not change your mind. That's not what that's not what, what most teachers are trying to do. Right. It's just exposing you to these ideas, learning about them so that they can be incorporated into your knowledge base. Right. So if you start taking things out, saying, no, we can't talk about this. We can't talk about this. We can't talk about this. Then you, you keep yourself so narrow. Um, and then do you impose that narrowness on everybody else? The problem with these state laws is it's being imposed under pain of punishment, penalty, that you, you cannot do these things. Right. And that, that's right. the other problem. Yeah. So, so, not, so this brings us to today's podcast, which is um, entitled, Is 2022 the Year of Censorship? And this is a, a short piece that was written by Christopher Ferguson. He teaches here at Stetson. I guess he's a neighbor, right? Yeah. Stetson's nearby. Professor of psychology. And he's the one who makes the point. You know, you can censor books or you can censor individuals. Um, there's a, a, the famous case of Joe Rogan right now. He's a personality of some type. And people don't like Joe Rogan, so they want him kicked off um, Twitter or Instagram or something. Um, and so media companies can also censor people, right? you know, and so you right. can censor a person, um, Howard Stern, for mm -hmm. example, uh, right. you can censor people or you can censor, um, or you can censor books. Censorship is an effort to limit anything that offends me or differs from what I already think or believe. Right. Yeah. And they're in, it's, it's the effort to to limit it to to uh, to get rid of it. Right. And, and I think that I think it's it's challenging for a lot of people because you, you have situations like like the Joe Rogan situation or, or you mentioned Howard Stern. And, and you know, so it's it obviously it's been around for decades. Um, right. Not for a long time. Um, and the, the idea of um, what we need to. We need to protect people from certain information. And so you think about people who, you know, one of the, I guess one of the claims against um, Joe Rogan is that he's, he's, 
it's just people feel as though it's just misinformation. He's right. just giving a lot of information that's not true. And he has lots of followers. He has lots of people that believe him and listen to him. And it's just misinformation. It's right. incorrect. And, um, and, and so people will say, well, we need to, we need to censor that because people shouldn't, he shouldn't be influencing all these people that way. Right. And, and so I understand the, the, um, the, the idea behind the censorship from that perspective but at the same time, the reason that that happens is because of censorship from the perspective of we're not opening our ideas to so many other things. Right. You know, right. if you were listening to Joe Rogan or, or whoever, and they're giving you all this information mm-hmm. and all that information is counterintuitive to everything else that you've heard and everything right. else that you've understood because you've been exposed to all these other things, right. then you'd be able to make an informed decision yourself you know, this is not accurate. This is right. not true. Right. Um, but we don't do that. We, we, we stay very narrow and focused as you were saying a minute ago, because we're, we're, it's almost like we're self-censoring. We, we yeah. don't, we're not allowing ourselves. And, and that seems to be, um, you know, maybe that's one of the unintended consequences mm-hmm. of all of the censorship that's happening in schools. Right. Is that we, we start to self-censor and say, okay, I don't want to listen to anything else that doesn't fit with the way that I believe. And so I can only listen to this stuff. That's right. Right. And so what this author, what Ferguson argues is that misinformation, whether it's medical misinformation, certainly we saw a ton of that during the pandemic, or um, erroneous opinions, opinions, uh, maybe erroneous or not. He says, and I think he makes a good point, our best challenge with more speech, not censorship. In other words, if, if a Joe Rogan appears, and there was another guy, I can't remember his name, he was in the news for a while. Uh, they were, there was, you know, this daily barrage of um, inaccurate information. Yeah, I can't remember who it was. I can't remember his name. Yeah, but he said the best antidote for that is not to stop, not to censor it, but to give accurate information. So at some point you have to say, well, when it comes to COVID, who do I believe? Do I believe the scientists or do I believe somebody else? Right. Well, I'm going to put my money on the scientists because they have the information right. that I'm looking for. Um, not saying everybody has to do that. I'm not saying it's against the law if you don't do that. Right. That's, that's how I'm going to make my decision. Right. And so what the other problem with censorship, the psychological component to all of this, so what does it have to do with psychology? The issue is confirmatory bias. Absolutely. Uh, Ferguson calls it my bias, um, you know, which I, I think is a cute thing, but we call it confirmatory bias. Mm-hmm. And confirmatory bias is we tend to listen to, believe, read what confirms our own beliefs. Absolutely. Um, if you watch conservative, if you listen to conservative talk radio, you listen to it because it confirms your beliefs that that's what you believe in. That's where you go. You don't go to liberal media because you're not interested in that. Absolutely. And we've talked about this before, that you know, in today, in this age of, of news entertainment and news information, um, it it is primed for confirmatory um, bias because you're absolutely right. If, um, and, and, I'll just use some of the the, the buzzwords that that make it uh, make me uh, nervous a little bit to say. But um, if you are a Trump supporter, right, you're not watching MSNBC. Exactly, you're watching, you're watching right. Fox, and and if you are a Trump opponent and you, you dislike everything that he says, you're not watching Fox. You're yeah, going to watch Fox. You're right. watching MSNBC or something like that. Um, and and while that's you're going to get lots of information that makes you feel good that, or that, that at least supports all your ideas. Right. It's confirming what you already believe. And so there's nothing there to challenge you. Right. We are so anxious and nervous about being challenged right? or, or, right. or challenging our ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, I think it's one of the, the fatal flaws that have, that have really come out of the way that the education system has been working over the past couple of, maybe even the past couple of decades right. is that, we are so opposed to having our ideas challenged and having to defend, um, if you want to use those kinds of words, defend our ideas mm-hmm. that we've just settled into this idea that we're right 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that if you if you say that we're wrong, um, you know, clearly you're wrong because everything in my world says that this is right. That's right. And when you get those two positions, the way they're they're um, hardening these days, um, that you begin to feel like enemies. Mm-hmm. You know, like Absolutely. even family members who, you know, they're they're on one side of the political spectrum or the other, and we start to dislike each other. Right. And avoid each other. And that's exactly the opposite of what should be happening. We should be talking to each other and expanding our views. Yeah, I I remember. um, And so this was this was a a long time ago because it was um, back with uh, President Obama. Um, I have a I have a cousin who um, who did not like President Obama at all. Um, And he would post things on Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things he posted on Facebook was that photoshopped picture of uh of obama where they photoshopped him into that um i think it was a black panthers um yeah Mm -hmm. uh, and he was like smoking but he was there with it and um and he posted that and i said hey hey man um you know that that's 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 photoshopped um i said you know i appreciate that and i I put this in the in the the text message and i said i really appreciate what you're what you're trying to communicate um but you know it would be much more informative it'd be much more um meaningful if you used real information, not, not this created stuff, but used real information. Cause I think that he was trying to make some good points. Um, but, but he was using this and, and it just kind of pulls people away from it. Cause as soon as you see it and you know, it's not real, it's like, okay, that's, I'm not even going to finish reading this. Right. And he got so offended and so argumentative or confrontational about it. I said, okay, uh, we're, I guess we can't talk about this. I thought we could talk about this, but I why guess. Did he get, why did he become, why was he offended? Because he, because I was supporting Obama and I was oh. um, not not paying attention to what was really going on. I said, I am not supporting anybody in this in this discussion <laughs> right now. I'm just right. saying that I, wanted, I, want, I, I want to read what you're talking about. But when I see something that is clearly not true, mm-hmm. It, it immediately puts me into this frame of mind that, okay, none of this is going to be true because they're starting it out with a picture that's Photoshopped. Right. Right. Um, but, but that's because I was trying to read both sides of the situation. And when people don't, mm-hmm. again, all we do is focus on this one piece and we right. just, and we you know, fall into that conformatory bias where we right. only expose ourselves to what we already believe. That's right. And we see, bad things in people who are different than we are, who don't, right. who don't live up to our uh, biases. Um, and so it's very easy to see bad behavior um, in those groups who don't confirm, conform to our bias. So we have to be very careful. And I think this is what I like about this article. He says, we have to be very careful that we don't tolerate censorship when it's our side that's doing the censoring. And he brings up the book To Kill a Mockingbird. And he said, in our country today, both liberals and conservatives have tried to ban To Kill a Mockingbird because everybody finds something to dislike about the book. Okay, And he said, and so we have to be careful that we don't censor. You know, there have been college campuses. I forget. Oh, I think it was Shapiro um, who was supposed to give a talk on a college campus. I think it was at Berkeley and, and the students rose up and said, we don't want him here. Well, that's still censorship. That's right. still deplatforming. And right. even though I might agree, it doesn't make it right. Right. Uh, it's still censorship. So um, I, I think Ferguson makes a good point when he says, you know, be careful because censorship is censorship. Right. And, and, and I get to the idea that sort of this absolutism of, of spree- right. free speech yeah. I can get into the absurd. Um, you know, when we when we talk about, you know, de-censorship, I guess the the absence yeah. of complete absence of de- of censorship. You know, we're not going to teach you know that the Earth is flat um, right. in our in our school science classes because I mean we know that it's not. Yeah. There are people who believe that it is. Right. Um, and so, you know, we, we don't need to introduce those ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, you know, people debate about whether we should have, uh, you know, talk about evolution versus creationism, um, you know, well, you know, there are people who believe that 
we were aliens that came to to earth and that's how we started um you know so we should we teach that as well there's there's lots of different things and so we do have to be careful that um we have there are some limitations but that should be separate and and should be very narrow and certainly separated or divorced from you know partisan influence you know that it's a right or a left or or whatever um it needs to be thought out and considered um, based upon all the evidence that we have. Right. And I think, you know, you're right. When we talk about free speech, there, there have always been limits on free speech. I mean, you, right. you, there are just certain things you're not allowed to do or say. And there are certain things that you shouldn't say in some company. You know, I, I would, you know, it, it's, it's one thing if you're out with your buddies, but it's another thing if you're having dinner with your grandmother. It's a different vocabulary that you use in those settings. So, um, so there are limits, um, but the limits should be very narrow right? and they should be divorced from partisan influence. Right. The other thing is, if I am an elected official, I have a higher standard than an entertainer. Right. Okay? Uh, Joe Rogan's an entertainer. Howard Stern's an entertainer. They have one standard. But if I'm a governor or a president or a lawmaker or a mayor, I have a, a, a higher standard that I have to that I have to achieve and attain right. and live by. I mean, it just comes with the office. Um, you know, a teacher has a higher standard. You have to be careful right. about what you say to, to young minds. Yeah. Um, the other week when um, you mentioned the bill here in Florida that was recently passed, um, it's yeah. dubbed the um, uh, don't say gay bill. Right. Um, where you, you it puts some limitations on our, our opportunities to talk about mm-hmm. LGBTQ community um, right. issues and stuff in, in the public schools. And th- there are a lot of people who have a big problem with this. And, and around the time that it was being voted on, you know, there were students who would were protesting and were kind of mm-hmm. um, saying, hey, you know, don't take away our right to be able to be open and, mm-hmm. you know, everything. And, um, but there, but at the same time, there were students who on that side who would carry around signs that say gay lives matter. Okay. That's great. But underneath it, it said straight lives don't. Right. Reverse bias. That's it's like, okay. Well, you, you can't, you, you can't say that. I mean, you know, yes, you can say gay lives matter because they do. And, and that's, we have to recognize that. And, and, you know, it's a, it's a population, it's a group of people who have, historically been um, marginalized and, and abused in, in so many different ways. And so to say that gay lives matter is really important. Um, but you can't say that straight lives don't matter mm-hmm. because that's, you know, it didn't say black lives matter, white lives don't. Right, right. Um, it didn't say, it doesn't say that, but because again, those, there are some limitations that we have to have just to, to, in, in many ways, just to protect people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think um, that, that, that's a really good point <laughs> that I didn't see that sign. Straight lives don't. Right. That's the problem. That's, that's me. That's me doing what I'm telling others what that right. not to do. Okay? Absolutely. Doesn't, that doesn't matter which side you're on. So you have to be mindful that sometimes um, you might be against censorship, but you might be doing some censorship uh, yourself. Right. Okay? So, the take home message here is, is that censorship is done by both sides. We, we are all uh, guilty, if you will. Um, but it's a very, very, very slippery slope. And I would say that it's best to avoid censorship right. because you can get yourself into um, a great deal of trouble. When you start censoring, the first question is who gets to decide? Right. What gets censored. And, and that's that's the first problem you get into. There are very few absolutes in this world. And um, whether we're talking about language or ideas, regardless of what it is, um, we have to be very careful about saying you're not allowed to do this. Right. Because the question always becomes who's who's making the decision about what I am allowed to think or say or do. Right. Because, of course, when we put limits on that, then it it has ill-intended consequences typically to to science to society to democracy to problem solving i mean you know um in very in very similar ways this this goes back to conversations we had um my goodness it was been a a couple of years that we did a whole podcast on um 
you know, and, and this is going to initially sound completely off topic, but it, it's not because um, we talked about um, mar marijuana um, yeah. and medical marijuana. And, you know, we're not allowed to do research on marijuana in the United States. Right. <laughs> that that's that that is the same type of thing with censorship. Now, it's a, it is an entire area that people are really pushing for medical marijuana, but we're not allowed to research it. And so we really can't say if there are any benefits or detriments to it because we're not allowed to research yeah, it. I think it's still a federal law that you're not allowed to possess it, right? I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's changed. And so if you want to get marijuana to do research, you're in possession of marijuana, you're breaking a federal law. Right. And so you're not allowed to do research on, on this thing that millions of people are using and abusing. Right. Um, yeah, that's the problem with this. Um, it's also, you know, teachers are becoming very, very cautious about how they talk about race. Oh, because, it's really difficult. you know, there are certain things that you're just not, uh, you're, you could get into some trouble mm -hmm. if you say them. But that's because somebody somewhere has said, we're not going to talk about this, you know. And so you say, OK, we're not going to talk about race. We're not going to talk about this and we're not going to talk about this we're not and if you narrow it if you make it too what are you allowed to talk about right and 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 who who gets to decide right. what the permissible topics are and you begin to see that that sort of moves you in the direction of the authoritarian dictator who right. who's allowed to say these are the only things you're allowed to say putin did it in russia Absolutely. you're not allowed you're not allowed to use the word invasion you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to use the word war. You can be sent to jail for 15 years if you use those words. Right. That's censorship. Absolutely. Absolutely, and that's what we have to be careful of. Absolutely. So we need to, to avoid it. Recognize it. Um, right. it. Again, we're all guilty of we it. We all do it. Right. So we need to be careful. We need to be mindful of it and and protect ourselves from ourselves. In, right. in right. So. All yeah. right. I think that that's it then for today. And um, you know just be mindful of all of this and, and all of you that are have spring break coming up, enjoy your spring break. Yeah. Um, yeah. Enjoy a little bit of time off and then we'll get back to it because then it's uh test taking season. So that's right. Which is also going by the wayside from what I understand. Yes. It's going to be interesting. Uh, progress monitoring. Um, so yeah, stay tuned. So one more nine weeks of education and then another summer vacation. Summer break. Okay. That's right. All, all right. right. Well, that's it for today. Seeing you again. It's good seeing you again as well. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.